about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Flying solo here today um, because we're going to do something uh, just a tad different. All right. I know that it's Feedback Friday, but uh, we're going to forego that today because we have a special guest with us and we think there's a conversation that given what we've witnessed happening to one of the biggest names in college sports, we think that uh, there's a a broader conversation that needs to be had today about masculinity, about leadership, about accountability, and about the state of media. Well, as we said at the top, we're going to do something a little different here. Normally we do a feedback Friday, but uh, given the news that's uh, breaking uh, in the sports world and across numerous media outlets and what I think it has to say where we're at culturally. I thought this was worthy of setting Feedback Friday aside and making an exception, particularly because the last time we had this guest on our show on CRTV, on the subscription side of things, uh, the audience uh, really responded well to what she had to say. So I thought, you know, given this breaking news, what's happening at Ohio State University, how about we uh, put her here to an even bigger audience on the podcast because sadly, we keep giving Rachel Barbeau opportunities to address a subject that she's trying to literally go out and change the narrative. That's the name of the presentation that she gives to student athletes and college football athletes across the country. And yet, Rachel, as we welcome you back here to the Steve Day Show on Westwood One, um, as many presentations as you give, they keep giving you more opportunities to do this again. How are you, Rachel? I'm I'm very well. Um, I'm encouraged and, and very well. Yet at the same time, I, I would be lying to you, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell you there's a duality in in my film right now. And that, you know, I'm strong and I'm pressing on, and and uh, want to educate young men and women across the country, and and older men and women across the country. But when you hear a story of what's going on at, at Ohio State and and um, the uh, the gross negligence and and the number of people that failed this woman and her children. Um, there is a sadness in that that we are in 2018 and we are are still dealing with this and and really the intoxication with power with winning with things of that nature. I think um, and protection protecting you know at all costs. I think those things that are are obviously still very relevant in 2018 and um, we've got to fight for our victims. Mm. So if you didn't catch Rachel, if you're not yet one of our subscribers on CRTV, and you should be, uh, we actually made, people loved her interview we did with her a few months ago so much, we made it free. And so if you go to our Facebook page, Facebook Watch page, just look up Steve Day Show on Facebook Watch, go to the video section, and you'll find that uh, original interview we did with Rachel several months ago. What Rachel does, she's an advocate both uh, for victims, but also calling young men to true masculinity. And so many of us that are from Generation X, as am I, uh, uh, from the millennial Generation Z, uh, just didn't have true masculinity as young men modeled to us. Uh, and and so she tries to do her best to show young men what it means to be a real man. And she also does one heck of a job as a reporter and an analyst covering college football for Sirius XM's uh, College Sports Channel, which is my sanctuary. That's when I need to get away from my day job covering politics. I This is my number one media outlet when I'm working out, when I'm doing the lawn. So I'm very familiar with a lot of the personalities and Rachel's work. And I want to talk about how the media has addressed this story later uh, in the conversation because I want first and foremost uh, victims and victim blaming and innocent till proven guilty and what's going on here I want this to be front and center in the conversation and just a little bit about my background Rachel I, I alluded to it a little bit when we had you on a few months ago you know I grew up in a home with domestic violence I literally had to defend my mom who had me at 15 I had to defend her uh, physically 
uh, from my uh, from my stepdad many times or a couple times as a, as a teenager. Uh, sometimes I'd hide away when he was beating on her because you know it's like that scene in the uh, in the I can only imagine movie that literally is right out of my childhood when Dennis Quaid after he beats up the mom goes looking for the son and if the son pretended that he wasn't paying attention he would literally pass over his room. That was I learned that lesson as a child that if I acted as if I wasn't aware of what was going on uh, and had my headphones on he would leave me alone but if I listened in he would come and wail on me and my little brother next and so mm-hmm. when I when I see Courtney Smith on the video when I hear questions and explanations of the people who came to her and, and urged her not to press charge I've had I've had these conversations my entire childhood so I know what this is like I know why women don't leave you know there were times my mom wanted to go and then I was afraid of well this is our meal ticket I'm going to lose my friends mom we can't leave and then I would be ready to leave and my mom would be like well you know I'm going to lose my friends my home you're literally a hostage to this uh and when the when the person god puts in your life no, to serve the number one role of protector turns on you uh it's it's very hard to be cut and dried and see this as black and white when you are living in that environment particularly when you have children together as courtney and zach smith did as my mom and dave dace did particularly when he's not always like this you know, mm. it, it'd be easier if you, you know, we had the best vacations. If I told my friends some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes, they would have never believed it because I had the cool dad who'd come out and have a beer with us and talk girls with us while we were playing basketball, you know. And so it's not as easy and cut and dried from the from the inside out as it is for people, Rachel, from the outside in. Address that first when you, when you hear people say, well, why didn't she come forward? Why'd she let this go? Mm. When you hear that, what's your response? Well, I mean, I have chills, first of all, um, and, and I, too, have experience with, uh, with, with domestic violence in my past, both from, both from a, a familial standpoint and also from a, a dating standpoint. And so I, I get it from both sides where she's coming from. You know, I think first and foremost, I think, as I mentioned in my, my first response, is she was failed on so many levels. And I think um, one of the things that was most striking was the fact that she went uh, to her parents and his parents, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> both sides of the family, and said, hey, here's what's going on. And they said, if you turn him in, uh, you will not, you know, he won't have a job, and what will you do? Like, what is in what will you do for a roof over your head and, and food in your mouth? Like, I can't even imagine the betrayal that you must feel your own mother and father, not to mention his mother and father, right, but yeah. your own mother and father. And, and that is, that's, that's horrific. And from a, you know, from a, a, a school standpoint, what she said in the, you know, the interview was every one of those coaches' wives knew. And I'm not married yet, but I will tell you that most of my married friends tell me that if they knew something of that magnitude, their partner knew something of that magnitude. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that is, uh, that's, that's disturbing on, on so many levels. And I was even this morning, I was visiting with another, another advocate. Her name is Brenda Tracy, and she does great work. And You'd, you'd be served well to uh, to get her on in the future. And she was she's a survivor of sexual assault. She was gang raped mm-hmm. um, by some athletes. And and we were talking about it this morning about the victim shaming because I came across something uh, on Facebook of, of fans that are that are defending their coach right now. And it was a uh, I guess a message that had been screenshotted and it was I'm Courtney's cousin. You don't know who she is. Hey, uh, and it was ter- it was horrific. It was. It was, hey, yeah, he did this, but you don't know what she did to ask for it. You don't know what she did to bring this on. She's a terrible person. She's always trying to bring people down. And I'm like, I said it to Brenda this morning, and I said, my God, my God, we wonder why more people don't don't come forward. Mm -hmm. Who did this woman have? You go to your family. You go to his family. your, Your cousins are on social media talking about you. You know, who do you go to? My God, I, I, I don't even, I just can't even fathom, and, and it's, it's a wonder uh, that the, the cycle continues when these, when these women don't feel like they have any support. You know, it's, for me, I, I really have, have tried to not impose my own past on these allegations when they come forward and convict every guy, you know, because it would be very easy right. for me to see Dave Dace's face on everybody's shoulder and whenever this happens and yep. to be yep. as perfectly fair as we can 
you know, we have seen instances. We, we had a woman that uh, accused uh, Jerome Bettis at the end of his career, the Hall of Famer. Police investigated and they found her allegations false and they actually prosecuted her for making a false yep. allegation. We just had a situation Wonderful. last week at uh, the University of Missouri got rid of a player for Title IX and then after their investigation, he was totally exonerated. The University of Tennessee, uh, an all-SEC linebacker, lost his spot on the team in 2014. And then he decided not to take a plea bargain, took his case to trial, and within an hour, the jury came back and saw that there was no credible evidence. So there, there are, you know, the University of Minnesota, where we just where they just fired their coach and cleaned everybody out for that situation. Remember, the players weren't going to play in the bowl game and everything mm-hmm. else. Some yep. of those players are still there and now suing the university for saying, you basically accused me because I'm male. You didn't have any evidence whatsoever. So I, I think that when you live in a post-sexual revolution culture, and Tinder and Grinder and every and hookup culture. Yes. I think we need to understand that it doesn't take much to with, with when moral boundaries are removed for gray areas to abound. That that's to be as fair as I can be as a previous victim of this. But you know, in my day job covering politics, where everybody wants to excuse the worst allegations about their own side because most of them come from anonymous sources, and so therefore, if it's not the story that I want to be true, it's automatically fake news. She produced all the evidence here, all the texts, the pictures, and you know, I I, I tweeted this back to former Ohio State player Zach Bourne today, and never got a response. Well, wait to hear the facts. To me, Rachel, it's either she contrived all of this evidence and made it all up, or there really aren't any other facts, and we're just waiting to see what Urban and Shelley Meyer's alternative narrative to this is. This is not your typical he said, she said case. I mean, the Cleveland Plain Dealer uncovered nine incident reports since 2012. So, you know, that's what I think. That's that's why I think this case in particular is an excellent model for are we do we are we truly going to protect the innocent among us or not, because this is pretty black and white there. there and no, con, no, you know, uh, no, you know, refutable evidence has been offered. No, we've had no pro Meyer narrative leaked to the media or anything. And this has been going yeah. on an entire week. So tell me what yep. alternative facts we're waiting for to get a different side of the story. What are we waiting for? Well, first, I want to I want to say this, because I uh, I travel around the country, I speak to men and women, uh, and I talk to them about being kings and queens or changing the narrative, as you mentioned. OK, mm-hmm. I primarily speak to men. I've just started uh, in the past year speaking to women as well about being queens. But uh, I have been in Missouri and the player that you mentioned at Missouri is actually one of my kings. Mm. And he reached out to me afterwards and he is heartbroken. He was he was uh, excommunicated from his team. His scholarship was taken from him. He has not spoken to his teammates. He's not spoken to his coach. Um, they have. He, he, he's been left for dead. And all of these, all of these, uh, these, these allegations that women have been have been proved false. Now, the one thing that they did get him on was there was a woman that was stalking him, coming after him, and she tried to attack him, and he pushed her. Uh, he pushed her away, and so didn't hit her, just pushed her away, and so that's what. Uh, that's what, you know, it was the last thing that was pinned on him, if you will. And so we're trying to figure out with him, just as a sense of su- a support, what's next for him. Mm-hmm. You read stories like that, being falsely accused, right, and being exonerated. But, uh, you know, and, and, and to your point, so it's not just women, okay? It's not. And that's why I fight and, and talk to these young men, and I say to them, baby, the right woman will love you for you, not mm-hmm. what you can do for her, not what, not what picture you can take with her, not where you can take her, not where you can buy her. The right woman will love you for a $2 box of macaroni and cheese and a candle from the dollar store. <laughs> That's the woman that will love you. And they're like, Woo! you know, they go crazy about that one. But it's true. And I tell them, listen, there are women right now that are not being queens. They're not walking in their queenness, if you will, right now. They're, they're not... They, they've got some demons. They got some things they got to work out. You can still respect them, but you respect them from an arm's length distance, right? Because you know you shouldn't be messing with that girl. You know that she's not good for you right now because she's not good for herself. Mm-hmm. But you can still respect her and not talk about her and not demean women. We talk to them about how to, it's not how much you you know you treat women when you're on a date with them. How you really feel about a woman is going to eventually come out. 
It is eventually, if you got a bitterness, you got something down in you, your mom did this, your sister did this, your granny did if whatever you have down in you is eventually going to come out. So let's start to really uncover deeply how we look at women, how we really think about women. And let's, let's start to examine that. And so those are some of the things we talk about, but, but it, that happens all the time, Steve, false allegations of women saying, you're not going to date me, so I'm going to ruin you, okay? You don't want me, I'm going to ruin you. And so I fight just as much, and, and I, I want your listeners to know that, for men as I do women. And I also know men uh, and, and have had personal experiences with men that have been beaten by their wives, and the wives said to them, if you call the police, I'll tell them you hit me. I mean, this is, this is, so it's going on, you know, both ways. That, that's, my point is, is it's going on both ways. And so I advocate for, for both of those, uh, both of those sets of people. And, and I wanted to add that if we can get back to your question, but that, I thought that was very important to add because as you mentioned, this is going on both ways. And I think those are very important distinctions. We're, we're also in a culture, you know, I, I'm sure you see it daily in your line of work in, in covering college sports, negative recruiting and using message yep. boards and social media and those sorts of things because it's so cutthroat. These aren't really universities right now. They're enterprises when you look at the amount of money that's at stake uh, for these college uh, sports programs. And, uh, and, and I see it in the political world where, it, quote unquote, credible allegation. That, that's my favorite Twitter, Rachel. Credible allegation Twitter. Tra- let me translate for you what that means. It means an allegation against someone whose politics I don't agree with. That's what it really means. Everybody whose politics mm-hmm. I don't agree with is a credible allegation. And everybody whose politics mm-hmm. I do agree with, well, then, then you know, it's innocent until proven guilty. It's the same thing you see in sports where, well, if it's my coach, he's innocent. If it's yours, he's a thug. Right. That's why right. I think right. this story is the test model because there's, there's more here than individual accounts. There is actual evidence, evident, actual text yeah. messages from the coach's wife, from another coach's wife. So to me, yeah. either she contrived and faked all of this, and if she did, whatever she's earning right now in her current line of work, she's way underpaid and ought to be like at the CIA or the FBI or, or, or you know, um, some, doing some form of espionage because she's much, she's the best at this I've ever seen. Or they didn't act in the face of all of this mounting evidence. To me, this case is much more cut and dry than probably the he said, she said stuff that you do deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. You made a point earlier about the mounting evidence on one side. I said yesterday I was on the SEC and the ACC channel uh, with Sirius XM, and I said, you know, I, I want to say, okay, all right, let me, let, me, let, me, let me look at all the facts, right? Let me look at all the facts. Let me look at all the evidence. I want to see all the evidence on both sides. There is no evidence on the other side. They've not brought anything. Mm-hmm. See, nothing. There's nothing. There's a ton of text messages. There are pictures in which there are marks around her neck that I don't even know how you can make those on your own. Like, and, and, and God forbid, she, you know, I, I don't even think that, you know, somebody helped her do that. I mean, you couldn't do this to yourself. The marks that were on her arm, like the, the text messages, the pictures, the nine calls to, to you know, to uh, 911, uh, the incidents. You know, 2009, 2015, all these incidents. I, I, I want to try to say, okay, well, what's on the other side while supporting this victim? But there is nothing on the other side. There's, no, there's, uh, there's nothing to, to look at. There's nothing to judge. There's nothing to break down. And, and, you know, my friend Spencer Tillman, a great broadcaster this morning, he said, you know, the saddest part of this is, we're talking about Urban Meyer's job, and we really should not. I'm just breaking down what he said, paraphrasing. But we're talking about Urban Meyer's job. What we really should be talking about is how we failed a victim yeah. and her child, her children. That's what we should be talking about. And and take it one step further. This man that, that we are all, it's unfolding of who this man is, Zach Smith. How in the world was he allowed to coach young men? How in the world? That's exactly where I want to go men? next. Be- oh my Lord, have be- mercy. That is mind blowing. Because I think there's a part of this, Rachel, that unless you have been around an abuser, you don't understand. Even you can look at the marks on Courtney Smith's body. And, you know, I had marks on my body and I was coached as a little kid. My dad would take me aside and uh, he would coach me what to say to teachers. 
uh, to you know what what lie to tell to explain marks on my body. And you know when I was in fifth and sixth grade in the late seventies, early eighties, or third or fourth grade, you could teachers would let you get away with. That. I wouldn't do it nowadays, obviously. But but mm-hmm. but if you've not been in that situation internally, here's what you don't understand. This is what messes with a young man's mind. Here's my story with this. And I this really hit home when I saw the sign in the Ohio State players' locker room where number one's honesty, number two, treat women with respect. Right? You've seen this sign, I'm sure, right? This is the mm-hmm. sign in the yep. locker room. And he and Urban Meyer put it there. So for many years, as I talked about, I I, I was the oldest in our family. And you know, it's funny, I look back now on pictures at Dave Dace now, and, you know, I work out a lot. I was a good athlete growing up. I'm not as skinny now, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty good, decent shape for a 45-year-old guy with a little of a spare tire. You know, I'm pretty, I lift weights. <laughs> and I look back at pictures of my dad now, and I'm like, and why was I afraid of this guy? Why didn't I break him at 13 years old? But in my mind's eye, he was King freaking Kong because he was the bully of the family from the time that I could ever remember. And there was one day, I, we, I was 16 years old, and I'm actually watching college football game on a Saturday. And Dave comes home from a hunting trip, and he's drunk, and he's stoned. And I can hear a big ruckus, and uh, he is, uh, he's yelling at my mom. Um, she's, giving, she's yelling back at him, and, and don't come near me, leave me alone, get out of here. And then I can hear what's going on in the kitchen. He's wailing on her. And I have this moment in my mind now where I'm like, I have to do something. Like the, uh, you know, I've, the, the the testosterone instinct, the man, the masculine instinct has kicked in. I must, I have to act. And yet the this, the, the child side of my brain, it remembers all the times he wailed on me, belt buckles to the face and everything else, and thinks he's going to do this to me. And next thing I knew, eventually the masculine instinct took over. And for the first time, I did physically intervene. And I literally picked him up off of her, off the floor with strength I didn't know that I had and, and literally moved him to the other half of the, of the room physically. And he was startled when he got up off the ground that I had done this, as was I, frankly. Okay. Yeah. And finally, his younger brother, who was a grown man and just was standing there when all this was going on doing nothing, finally stepped in, ushered him out and said, come on, let's leave, go sleep this off. So I know he's going to come back the next day, Right. And I'm scared to death. He comes back in the middle of the Sunday afternoon after he slept it off. And I'm about, he gets in my face and I'm, I'm literally going to wet my, I'm going to pee my pants. And mm-hmm. I'm that afraid. And he gets in my face and he does something even worse, even worse than beating on me. He gets in my face and he says to me, I'm very proud of you. You're a man now for the way you defended your mom like that. The mm. only, the only masculine affirmation I ever received from Dave. The only time he ever told me my entire life, no matter how many varsity letters, honor rolls, awards, no matter how many accolades I won in school, the only time he ever affirmed that he that I was ready to be a man is when I had to defend my mom from him. Mm. And what that did to warp my view of masculinity. That's why my wife will tell you, She's on her second marriage. It just so happens since I went to a Promise Keepers event on September 18, 2003 in Kansas City, Missouri, she's been she it's just the, she's it's the same it's just the same name, a totally different guy. All right, because I was on the ray of being coming like that. Because I this mm-hmm. and and when the, all those players when they're told, when they see that sign every day and then they go out and and they find out this is the coach you told me to be accountable to. This was the example you wanted to set for me. I think that's a part of this story most of us don't understand is the collateral damage of of projecting that hypocrisy and and I know I you know there's plenty of leftist feminists that use this term to describe any masculinity and I don't approve of that but in this case I do think it applies. When you project that level of toxic masculinity and hypocrisy to the next generation, the price you are you're playing with fire with their future wives, their future your children my story is a living testimony to this it's, it's generational it's absolutely generational so we are doing generational damage okay and, and what's happening there is generational damage and I, i'm telling you this and and i said this on the air this entire week i can't imagine the feelings that a player that has looked up to him that has uh, and, and again if this all holds through and right now uh, this is, it's, it's all, all the evidence is on one side. Um, but we haven't heard anything to the contrary, 
but I can't imagine the the confliction that a, his one of his players must feel right now. I can't imagine how gutted they must feel right now. I can't imagine how confused they must feel right now. And let me tell you something that I've learned about men in my two years of being on the road, because this year is the, is, is, this month is the, the two-year anniversary of changing the narrative. Somewhere along the way, we have told our men through media, uh, culture, music, all of those things, and, and, and generational curses I think we passed down, that, that it's not masculine somehow to share your feelings. It's not mm-hmm. masculine somehow to, to share what you're struggling with. You, you as a man need to bottle it up, shut up, suck it up, and, and go on, right? And it's a reason why we have young men that are killing themselves, young men that are struggling with depression. I can't tell you the amount of, of young men that, that tell me, hey, listen, I'm a big lineman on a championship team. You know, I'm not supposed to be depressed, but I'm so depressed I can barely hold my head up. Mm. I mean, I, I, these stories are coming to me every single day, and I'm like, oh, baby, you know, I'm like, because they're like little brothers to me. But I'm like, listen, you know, we got we to gotta talk to somebody. We got to talk to somebody about this. This is So my point in saying that is, is that there are young men on that team that will never tell you me or anyone how much this affected them but yet it will it will show up in their lives in what they accept how they treat what they let happen around them what they turn a blind eye to or what they engage in themselves uh whether that be abuse of of substances someone uh verbal abuse physical abuse so that's that's the, the you know the bad end of the spectrum but but i'm telling you just from my work i know that there are a ton of these young men that will never tell you how deeply this affected them, but you are spot on. It will affect them. It has already affected them. And the silence is deafening, my friend. The mm-hmm. silence is deafening. When you go back, I've heard your your station play this clip now. I, I, I stopped counting it 647 times. <laughs> the clip mm-hmm. of Urban Meyer in response to Brett McMurphy's yeah. original report, uh, the clip of him at Big Ten Media Day saying, why would someone make up something like that about the 2015 mm-hmm. arrest that he claims never happened? And I, I said at the time that on our show here that Again, like I told you earlier, I don't want to immediately jump to guilt because of my past. So to give him the most benefit of the doubt, what he, he's leaving himself no wiggle room. He's essentially saying he's either lying or he is saying, I fired Zach Smith anyway to appease a Twitter mob. So either Urban Meyer stood up there and lied last week in Chicago, or he fired uh, an innocent man to appease a Twitter mob, and neither one is a really good look. When you look at, uh, uh, in terms of accountability, I mean, how would Urban or any coach treat a player that just bold-faced lied like that to him when faced with accountability as opposed to coming clean? How would things have been different if Urban would have said, you know, this has been an incredibly difficult circumstance? As he did say, for several years I've been trying to help this family. And frankly, I I think we just let it go on too far. And this latest report uh, just convicted me that, you know what, we gave it our best shot to help Coach Zach Smith. We did our best, and uh, we just have to move on and wish him well and do what do what is right by Courtney and those kids uh, because now he's violating no contact orders, which are just simple accountability mechanisms, and I wouldn't take that from a player on my team, and I'm not going to take that from a coach on my team, especially one that I've gone out of my way to show mercy and grace to. If he had done that instead yeah. of uh, fake news... How would yeah, things have played news. out differently in the last week, Rachel? Well, first of all, I want to say this. I'm I, I, you know, looking on Twitter and listening to fans and, and no doubt fans of that school. And, and there are people on Twitter that are saying, hey, she did this to him on purpose. She wouldn't answer her phone. He needed to drop off the kids. So he had to drop the kids off at the house. So bam, she got, her, you know, she got him arrested. This is all her fault. Mm-hmm. My God, people. My God. My, my, oh, Lord. So anyway, uh, beyond that, uh, you know, my friend Peter Burns at, at, uh, at, on the SEC channel on the SEC network had a great tweet, and he said, he said, listen, he said, if Urban had simply uh, stood in front of Big Ten Media Days and said, hey, listen, you know, uh, Zach Smith's been a part of my uh, staff, and, and it just hasn't worked out, and his character does not line up with, with what we want with our standards at Ohio State, I wish him all the best. And we had to let him go. And left it at that, I believe Urban Meyer would still be the coach. I, I do. Mm-hmm. But because he lied. He lied that what we, what we believe and, and know now, uh, and all the facts 
look to point to this, that he lied. And I think that lie is what, what did him in and that, that not knowing. The other part of that is, is he had a, um, he went on and, and to say, and, and not in that interview, but he went on to talk about the difference in, in mistakes and character and, and people making mistakes and, and mistakes are, and he, and he, and he said, Hey, listen, my dad uh, told me the difference and, you know, a mistake that you learned from it. This is what character is. And listen, I don't feel putting your hands on a woman in any situation is a mistake. I just, I just, I think that's a, that's a character issue. That is a much deeper issue when you think it's okay Mm -hmm. to physically abuse a woman. That's, that's what I think that is. So to wax poetic for him, the difference between a mistake and character and, and put an incident in 2009, which is to his uh, alleges that he put his hands around her neck and choked her and characterize that as a mistake, that's very, very dangerous. That That is character to me. That is more of a character trait. So, you know, again, the repeated, what's also troubling about this case to me is there were repeated incidents of, of violence, mm-hmm. Steve, repeated incidents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said on the air yesterday, what if, what if this poor woman had lost her life or had been tragically injured? I mean, how many times does it have to happen for it to stop being a mistake and being this guy's a bad dude? Yeah. And was there ever? Let, let's let's go even further. Was he ever ordered to any kind of classes by his coach? Was he ever held accountable? Was there ever any uh, any anger management classes? Were there ever anything that he was asked to do beyond exactly uh, beyond? Yep. There wasn't. There wasn't. Was there so, even the, the dreaded internal discipline that we hear uh, coaches put on players this time of, of year? Anything. Yeah. Not that we know of. Not that we know of. And and, and I am so thankful, so thankful that, that Courtney Smith's blood is not on our hands. Now, it is in a way, but I'm so thankful that her literal blood is not on our hands in the sense that she lost her life uh, or was, you know, gravely injured. Because it could have easily been that. And it's that every single day women are dying at the hands, and men, but people are dying at the hands of their abusers. And, I, and it is just unfathomable to me, and I'm around these programs all the time, it's unfathomable to me that what she alleges that the entire, every coaching wife knew, and even Shelly Meyer, whom I know, and I'll be transparent, I know I think she's a wonderful person, and I reached out and told her I was praying for her. You can pray for people uh, that you that you don't agree with, mm-hmm. that you don't agree with what they've done. Um, but even in those texts, Shelly Meyer says, he scares me. I, I don't even know how you can sleep yeah, at night I, I sending that to somebody, knowing that person is on your husband's staff. Yep. The, it's two more two more angles to this I want to ask you about before I let you go. Yeah. One of them you've 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 kind of segued to already, just the the systemic lack of accountability and yes. how that feeds toxic masculinity and by not showing true masculinity that 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 protect and defend God given that innate instinct that is supposed to be in every man uh, was used here, but it was used to protect and defend a brand. Uh, as opposed to protect and defend the innocent. And, you know, when you look at what happened at Baylor in, in 2015 and 16 with Art Bryles, that is the vile of the vile. Mm-hmm. So, but I think you, if you, covering sports as you do full time, you probably mm-hmm. can see why a traditional bottom feeder like Baylor, we're not too many years removed from them having the longest postseason drought in college football, and now suddenly they got a brand new stadium, a revitalized economy, and they're in the top 10 every year. You, you, while what happened there is vile, you sort of get why there was an incentive to hide this because they had reached unprecedented success doing it this bad way, and so they were incentivized to continue this. This is freaking Ohio State. All right, so I've, I've grown up in the Midwest my whole life. I know this program really well. You and I, and I really believe this, you and I could roll out of the roll out of bed and go eight and four, nine and three at Ohio State. I really, they absolutely. <laughs> you don't, you don't have like I don't care if Jim Tressel bought a car for everybody on the team and tattoos. When you're risking cervical s- spinal injury every single snap, I don't care if a booster gives you a five hundred dollar handshake, take your girlfriend out. That stuff doesn't move me at all. I don't care. But but in this case, 
you don't need this guy's your freaking wide receiver coach you'd have 500 resumes more impressive than his in three seconds there's no competitive there's there's nothing there there should be no insulation here like a Baylor like guys we've never been this good before do we know do we know what's at stake here I mean they fired Jim Trestle go six and six they went undefeated the next year okay it's Ohio State if there was ever a place where you had every incentive to take the highest road possible because you can fall out of bed and hire good and good people and recruit the best players 33 minutes later it's here which again speaks to there's nothing here there's no competitive incentive there's nothing here that's any kind of other mitigator it's just a pure lack of character period yeah and and you know what it is it's lack of character and it's and it's a it's an exuberance of of loyalty my understanding in reading Brett McMurphy's report is is this all uh, stemmed from the, the loyalty that he felt to Earl Bruce, his grandfather, and uh, and even there were there was according to Courtney Smith meetings uh, by by one of uh, Urban's life mentors and coaches on the staff and and, and and early on and people coming to meet her and saying hey don't do this. Don't do this. Don't ruin his life. Don't do this. And you make a fantastic point in talking to my my analysts who are former athletes. A lot of them uh, this week they said, "Do you understand where the wide receiver coach is on on like the totem pole of coaching? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a nobody. Yeah, he's, I, he's I the right fielder on your little league team. <laughs> right. I mean, he, you know, he's not a nobody. He's on your staff, but you get what I mean. He's yeah. not. And so, why else would Urban? You know, attach his his wagon, his life, his his, his reputation. And I, I, I did a show yesterday with uh, with Phil Savage yesterday morning, and uh, and he's been a scout. He's been in the NFL, down to the Senior Bowl, and, and he went as far to say as, and maybe this was over dramatic, but but I think there's merit to it. And he said, you know, we're we're kind of watching the uh, uh, one of the faces of of Mount Rushmore being etched off, yeah. being scrubbed off. Yep. And and there there is truth to that. And it's interesting to me how you can hitch your wagon to somebody in a sense of loyalty and go down like this in flames. Mm-hmm. And and here's the other part of this: if. Ohio State, this in, this independent board somehow finds that that he did not know. Okay, maybe his wife takes the fall, uh, whatever it may be. They find that that he doesn't know. The stink doesn't go away. No, the, the stigma does not go away. The negative recruiting, which is actually accurate, uh, the negative recruiting, you know, against him, it, it won't go away. It, this will forever be with him. And and I I am all for second chances. I hope that in the future, Urban takes insensitivity training. I hope he learns greatly from this. Uh, I don't know what his future would be. I don't know if he would coach again in a year in the NFL or he would be the likes of Art Bryles and have to go 5,700 miles away to Italy to actually coach football because you're a pariah in the United States. You can't even keep a job in the Canadian Football League because of what you, your reputation and the stench that follows you. I don't know how Urban will be treated. Um, that remains to be seen. But I tell you what, I, I, every single time I think about Urban Meyer, what's going to happen to Urban Meyer, flashes of Courtney Smith and the marks on her neck mm-hmm. and the marks on her arm, they flash in front of my eyes, and I can't imagine. And then, and then to add one more thing, uh, this is such classic victim-perpetrator uh, relations, and that's the text yeah. message that said, how dare you? I was doing so good. Yep. How dare you do that? I was doing yeah. so good. I heard those and, words and, out of Dave Dace's therapy. mouth when I was a kid. Yeah, you provoked oh. me. I, I had not hit anybody oh. for months, and then you didn't clean the house the way that I wanted. You oh. you didn't get you didn't you didn't get the grade that I wanted. How you know you were you you back talked me. You made me act out like this you when I was yes. I heard that so many times growing up. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 then to go on to I'll, I'll, whoever you're with, I'll break his face. Yeah, he'll become an unrecognizable. I'll f him up. Yeah, I just uh, so that that was after he was supposedly rehabilitated. Okay, this is this shows you the the creature that we are dealing with. Okay, this shows you that the bad dude that we are dealing with. One final angle to this is the media, and I I, I you know I'm an unabashed conservative. Uh, I think I I go up against what I think is mainstream liberal media bias on a daily basis, and I have for years. But this thing is now devolving to you know Fox doesn't call themselves fair and balanced anymore. They got rid of that because everybody knows it's literally Trump TV. 
Um, yeah. CNN is running ads. This is a banana while they are firing people and issuing corrections uh, and admitting stories they're running aren't real. ABC News published a, 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 a scoop a few months ago on a Friday that Trump was basically going to be indicted. The stock market crashed literally by hundreds of points. Millions of dollars were lost. And then they admitted a few minutes, a few hours later, uh, we kind of had that wrong or bad. Right. So this is the I, I, and I don't like to talk about the media as a separate entity because I work in it. So this is our industry. This is what's going on right now. But I, and I think this story is in, in what's happened in the last week. And I said this to our audience here on the news political side this week. I think it is exhibit A of why a lot of Americans, regardless of how they voted in this last election, why a lot of Americans no longer trust the industry that was given a First Amendment freedom in order to keep them informed as a free people. And it's, it's what's happened here with Brett McMurphy. So here's a guy, ESPN lays him off last year so they can do a bunch of opinion shows that literally no one is watching. I mean, literally, <laughs> literally. It's funny. If, if, if Follow Clay Travis on Twitter for no other reason than other to watch him troll ESPN for their ratings and point out cable shows you've never heard of that are getting better ratings than their opinion shows are. Okay? So they laid off a bunch <laughs> of reporters like Brett McMurphy and, uh, and Andy Katz and all these guys that do legitimate news gathering. So they could do all these opinion shows no one watches. So Brett McMurphy's been on this layoff. He's been on your channel interviewed. You guys have interviewed him more the last three years I've subscribed to your channel than I ever saw him on ESPN when he was their employee. Right. And right. And, and so he's he breaks this original story on his Facebook wall. Okay. Guy's a freelancer. You know, he, he doesn't have a beat. Maybe he scoops you once. Right. Now, in the old days, <laughs> people in every newsroom at every other journalistic sports enterprise, ESPN, Fox, CBS, would have said to their the full-time reporters, why is this guy breaking these out scooping you on a Facebook page with 7,000 likes? Get your ass in gear and find the follow up story here. Don't let it happen again. Week goes by, nothing. No follow-up stories. We did learn Jim Harbaugh's takes on chicken. Uh, we didn't even get a follow-up story on, on Mark D'Antonio announcing, by the way, I'm putting a racist back on my team. Nothing. Nothing. No follow-up on any of these things at all. Okay? And then Brett McMurphy scoops them again. Again. <laughs> when, when he's literally unemployed. How in the world... Does that happen in our industry? There, it, and I wonder, and I brought this analogy to our audience yesterday. I'd like to get your take on it. Imagine if mm-hmm. MSNBC, CNN, and Fox were bidding for the exclusive rights to broadcast the election because these were huge profit-generating vehicles. And yet their channels also cover the election. Uh, clearly, there's a conflict of interest there, right? Well, look yes. at the rights yes. fees CBS, ESPN, and Fox are paying for yes. all of these conferences. What is that? What what is what is? Then you throw in. Let's face it. You get much more clickbait on crazy Harbaugh's chicken antics than than this story, right? So you throw in the clickbait uh, in you know, competitive incentive. But what's what incentive is there to truly do real reporting when a the number one journalistic enterprise in sports lays off the guys doing the actual reporting to keep Stephen yeah. A. Smith around? Number one, and then b so that you know, so as an, if you want to do this, you're 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 professional incentive by watching ESPN's actions. Clearly, you're de-incentivized to be a real reporter. See Brett McMurphy. That's number one. And then number two, is corporate really all that excited about breaking a story that might take the Big Ten favorite, number three team, number one team in the country, second biggest name and the coach in the country, and right at the eve of the season, take a team that every year is responsible for half of the top ten rated television games in college football and crushing their team right before the season starts. Am I on to something here? What do you think? Yeah, you are on to something. You know, very, very soon, I've done a show on uh, uh, on, on the SEC channel on Sirius XM, different from when I, I work on ESPNU and when this broke. And I, so I laid down to take a nap, uh, 30 minutes for 30 minutes after my show. And I woke up to Brett McMurphy's Facebook, uh, Facebook, as you mentioned, sorry, mm-hmm. because he's still employed by ESPN. He's still not employed, but he's still on the payroll by ESPN. So he can't work for anyone else. Right. He's having to break this this story, but he's been fired by them. So, but but he can't go work for anybody else. So, uh, so he breaks this story on on Facebook, which is it's on Facebook. Steve, that's the first thing. This is <laughs> this is nuts to me. Like that, this quality reporter is having to to break a story on Facebook because you know otherwise uh, he'd be, I guess, in, in, you know, uh, in breach of contract uh, with ESPN, and so. 
And he even made a joke. I, I love this. He said, I've been on SportsCenter more in the past I saw him say that, yeah. Days. <laughs> that yeah. I have the you know when, all the time that I was employed with him. So that's that's the first thing. Second thing is let me be very frank with you. I have relationships, as I mentioned. I said I I, I would consider Shelly Meyer a friend, right? I have relationships with coaches and and their wives and, and people in the industry. But that does not go above what's right and what's wrong, mm-hmm. right? That does not go above my character, my moral fiber, who I am. Um, I'm going to be transparent with that in, in every step of the way. But I saw somebody tweet soon after this broke uh, the other morning, Tuesday morning, that watch out for tribalism in the media. Watch out for to see who defends him. Watch out to see who's not who is. You know, and it took a little bit for ESPN to get on this. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else was reporting it, and, and I, I think they probably did it very begrudgingly. I think they were like, oh. Crap, we got to do this, you know, like we got to do this. And you make a very good point. So, uh, the big three media modules are they have these contracts, they have these massive billion, million dollar contracts with these leagues. And, and, and listen, Urban is already a tough guy, right? He's already buttoned up. He's already doesn't give you much. He's already very no nonsense. Uh, as one of our, our guests called another day, anal attentive, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Meyerberg from USA Today. So imagine that you, you listen. Whatever happens to him in the future, you got to bet that he's going to know who had his back and and who you know and who uh, maybe reported in his eyes you know against him, whatever it may be, but reported the truth. So there are consequences of that. But guess what? I can sleep well at night knowing I'm telling the truth. I'm being fair. I, I've said, and like you have said, even though we have personal experiences with this. We are willing and able to look at the other side and their evidence, but there is none. There is none. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and, and, and I would love for them to produce that. I would love for Urban to say anything other than I eagerly anticipate this being over. You do? Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Um, you know, and, and I understand they're doing that under legal counsel, but this is a very interesting world we live in. And I just railed the other day on the internet and I talked about the lack of people doing true journalism, right? Mm-hmm. The lack of people um, take going the extra mile to find out the backstory about a player or find out, um, you know, a, a, a story about a coach or whatever it may be, a, a great story. What we are in a society of clickbait now. We are in a society of it's easier to write the 10 story or excuse me, the 10 sentence story of who's going to be fired first yep. and, and you click on it. It's yep. stupid and it's ridiculous and it hurts people. And, 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 you know, I travel around the country and I, and I see these coaches and they read it and that's fine. They, they get paid a lot of money, but I just implore people to do better journalism. I do. I implore people to check things out. I implore people to dig deeper, to do more, more things of substance. Right. And so, and it's the same thing. It ties back to what I tell these players when I speak to them, both male and female, that if you derive your your joy from you know from social media, if that makes you feel good, at the end of the day, baby, you are going to be lonely and sad. Because I know some of the richest people out there, no money, no problems, really. Like, it's I want people to live a life of substance, and and I think that also goes in reporting. And it's why when I write when when I write for Gridiron Now, when you hear me on the radio, I'm going to try to tell you the rest of the story. It's not just stats. Uh, it's not just, you know, it's not just X's and O's and the score. I'm going to try to tell you uh, the behind the scenes stuff. So absolutely, I think these are very murky waters and murky times that we live in, especially uh, where we're getting our news from on the sports side, not to mention uh, the non-sports side. And you have an absolute point about ESPN. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. And, and, and frankly, I, I think the best thing to do in times like this is find trusted people that, that you trust, that you know their work has been impeccable, that have character, and follow them and digest everything that they're all saying. Pick five reporters and put those five reporters and follow everything, people that are in Columbus or that are reporting on it, and digest everything they're saying. Then make your own opinion. Don't just blindly follow one side. Tell, oh, that's it. Because there's a lot of people that right now that are making themselves look really, really stupid right now for statements that are making that I feel like they're not taking in the whole story. That is extremely well said. Rachel, remind our audience again about uh, your organization uh, as we say goodbye and uh, give it a little plug so they can follow your work from here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. It's I'm changing the narrative.org. I'm changing the narrative.org. I speak to uh, college students. I speak to high school students. I speak to corporations about being kings and queens. And, and when you have uh, happy people in the workplace, then you're going to have a more uh, you're going to have a worker that, uh, that that is more productive, that's more passionate, that, that treats their you know their coworkers with with passion and uh, and and humanity, <laughs> and respects their coworkers. So I do this at a lot of different levels: corporate, college, high school, churches, all sorts of things. I, I really want, as I believe you are, and I really respect the work you do and the person that you are. You're living as a king. You're you're breathing rarefied air, and I'm living as a queen. That doesn't mean we're perfect, Steve, but what mm-hmm. it does mean is. We can look in the mirror at night, and we can take stock of the decisions we've made from the you know from the time you get up to the time you go to sleep. How did I treat that person? How did I respond? What did I say there? Did I keep my word? You know all of those things. And you go down and do a checklist. And if something's off or you you need to you need to fix something, here's a novel idea: be accountable and fix it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Go be the person that's accountable and fix it. And I'm telling you, when you live. That kind of life, when you live as a king or a queen, it is the most freeing, beautiful, passionate life. When you realize it's not about you, it's pretty amazing. And so I, I travel around the country and I spread this word. And if they go to imchangingthenarrative.com, your wonderful listeners, they can uh, they can contact me through that. Support our 501c3 uh, or uh, just say, hey, listen, I'm supporting what you're doing because I'm trying to change lives here and I'm trying to have generational life change. Well, the the thing I love about your work the most is, you know, we live in this era of the, the, the daily false choice, uh, cancer A or cancer B, where the lesser of two evils becomes the evils of two lessers. And what I love is you are confronting toxic masculinity, but but not but but in but by offering what is the actual antidote. The antidote to toxic masculinity is not an absence of masculinity. It is real masculinity. And that's what I like yeah. is that you are you are rejecting the false choice that a lot of our culture wants to offer up today. And and, and instead, urging the next generation of young men to tap into something uh, cosmic, uh, transcendent, yes. that, that their creator, uh, even, even in their imperfect fallen state, their, in, their creator still planted that deeply within them, and you're calling on them to, to, to access it, to, not just for themselves, but the, for the betterment of those around them. And that's something I, I have seen in my own life, uh, the benefit it's had to me and the people I care about, and so God bless you, and I, I'm really appreciative of the work you're doing. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, my friend. Couldn't have, uh, that, that, those words just, just touched me uh, greatly because this is my life's mission. And when you figure out what it is that sets your soul on fire, I hope all of your listeners, once you figure it out, I hope you cultivate it and I hope you run like hell towards it and, uh, and leave a legacy in this life. <laughs> Very well said, Rachel. We will do this. You know what? With all due respect to you, I'm hoping we don't have to do this again. I, I, we keep saying never again. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. that, that at some point we're going to be like, you know, you're right. Never again. We mean it this time. You know what I'm saying? So God bless yeah. you. I'm going to be listening. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we love to know what you think about what we think. And hopefully you thought the conversation that you just heard was worthy of putting off Feedback Friday for one week. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Everybody have a great weekend. Please click subscribe and leave us a positive review on iTunes and Stitcher if you have time. Thank you to those of you that have already done so. We'll see you again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.